In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, and there were in the, the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, shepherd, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now you know the story. Uh, Caesar Augustus had uh, issued a decree that all the people of the world or his part of the world which he controlled were, were to be counted. And uh, they had to be counted in the place where they were born. And Joseph was born in Bethlehem. And as a result, they had to go back to Bethlehem. They traveled 70 miles getting back to Bethlehem with uh, his pregnant, espoused, much pregnant wife. And um, now, when, when I say wife, I have to give you an explanation here because of the fact that uh, there are some things that are not normal as far as our thinking is concerned. So the Jewish marriage took three steps, uh, three different steps. I went down to Mexico and saw uh, Tim's son, my nephew, married, and he got married twice. He got married on Saturday, Friday, and then he got married on Sunday. Well, uh, this is a little bit different. Three, three of them. And uh, the engagement is, uh, which was uh, often arranged by uh, the couple's parents when they were just very young, maybe even babies. And then became, the betrothal came after that. Uh, they were usually, betrothal lasted uh, anywhere from a year, or most time a year. And it, would, it happened along about the time when they were 13 or 14, the girls were 13 or 14 years old. And then they were, uh, that lasted about a year. And finally, after one year of betrothal came the marriage. Uh, so Joseph and his uh, pregnant betrothed wife uh, made the journey. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, they couldn't find lodging. And as a result of that, they took shelter in a stable where their son Jesus, the Savior, will be born. In uh, 1719, Isaac Watts was born. And he wrote the song, Joy to the World. And uh, have you noticed that it only has one verse that is referring to Christ. Just one verse that is referring to the birth of Christ. And um, in that one verse, it announces the Lord is come. There's no mention of Mary and Joseph. 
There's no mention of angels. There's no mention of mangers. There's no mention of the manger. There's no mention of the shepherds. It's just that Jesus is come. And he's presented uh, in essence, the essence of Christ, joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And uh, I didn't intend to sing that. But, uh, you know, he, he said joy to the world. It's not just joy to a miracle. It, it's, not a, it's not a national joy. It's uh, not a joy to the Caucasians. It's not a racial joy. It's not a joy to the West. It is a, a cult, not a cultural joy. It's not a joy to the rich. That would be a financial joy. It's not a joy just to the educated because it's not an uh, intellectual joy. It's not a joy just to the happy because it's not an emotional joy. It's not a joy to the healthy um, because that would be a physical joy. It's joy to the world. And I hope you know that joy through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't, you can know him today. Praise God. I want to share some things that, uh, about the birth of Christ and why it's joy. It's joy of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's joy of the birth of Jesus Christ. Except for the family and a few friends, birth doesn't amount to much to people. Pay much, don't pay much attention to it. Uh, our parents do, and they get to pay attention to it for the next 25 years. But friends know a little bit about it. But uh, outside of that, not very many people know. In 1809, there were three men that were born, that uh, babies that were born became men, and they changed their part of the world. The fact is, William Gladstone was born in the UK, and uh, he became their best known uh, fellow that was, uh, let's say he was a minister, uh, prime minister of uh, Great Britain. And he changed his part of the world. And then Charles Darwin was born, and he changed his part of the world and all the world in a sense. The fact is he came up with his theory of evolution and uh, it spread through the UK where he was born. He came into the United States and it spread here. And our own state was affected by, by the monkey trial in Dayton, Tennessee. And then of course Abraham Lincoln was born and he changed the face of America forever. And um, by the Civil War and the release of the slaves in America, changed it all the way. But nobody paid any attention to the born, those people when they were born. They had their eye on one person, and that was Napoleon, because he was the only person since, since uh, uh, Alexander the Great And he was the only person that anybody ever thought could take over the world and rule the world 
since Alexander the Great. 2,000 years there was a baby born. There were no friends around. Just family. Just the mother. Foster father. That's all that was around. The world didn't pay any attention. But he changed the destiny of the world. And that person was Jesus. He changed it. The Bible tells us in Luke 2.12, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. There's a lot of discussion about the swaddling clothes. <laughs> now, uh, they, they claim that it's uh, wrapping that baby, you know, to where they can't move their limbs. And when they go to sleep, they can sleep longer if they're wrapped like that. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. The medical profession, have uh, they've got their quabbles about it as to whether it helps or not. Nevertheless, uh, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, what I was taught when I was in uh, university is that I was taught that uh, it was clothes that was used to wipe down the animals, but they were clean. And uh, they were used to wrap the Lord Jesus. It seems that there's something wrong about the ordeal, though. Uh, he said, that be, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And uh, this, this ordinary child uh, is not an ordinary child. He looked ordinary. He acted ordinary. He cried. He messed his britches. He did all of that because he was an ordinary baby as far as anybody was concerned except Mary and the shepherds and others that, you know, might have been on the inside of this whole thing. But they were not to look for a king on a throne. They were not to look for an angel on a cloud or but they would look for a baby in a manger. And they were not to go to a palace or a mansion, but they were to go to a stable where they found a baby. He was surrounded by sheep. He was lying in a manger. He was born in a cave, or at least when I was in Israel the first time, um, they took us to a cave and they said that's where he was born. And... Uh, there was a manger there that they used for the crib. And they laid that child in that manger, and they said, that's where you'll find him. In the, in the stable where the animals stayed, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And yet look what the angel said in verse 10 of Luke chapter 2. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just to the shepherds, not just to Mary and Joseph, but to all people. That's why we have missionaries. And uh, these folks here, missionaries, that's why we have them. That's why we present the gospel here, is for people to hear 
And that's why you witness and I witness to lost people that are around about us because it's to everybody. Nobody is to be missed. Notice some things about the words of the joy to the world. Uh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Now we understand more now than the people did when, uh, when he came. We understand, we know that through Jesus as our Savior, our sins are gone. Because we remember what John the Baptist said when he introduced the Lord Jesus in John 1.29. He said, Behold, or look, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. I heard a song this morning on the radio as I was coming to church. And it's talking about our sins being covered. Hey, folks, our sins aren't covered. They've been done away with. They're gone. Praise God. We don't have to worry about them anymore. And because uh, Jesus has done away with our sins, then we can come before the Father unafraid and unashamed because His precious blood has done away with our sins. Isaiah prophesied that in Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We know Jesus has come, but the world religions don't know that. The fact is, they're still trying to connect with him. They climb all kinds of mountains. They observe rituals. They meditate in hopes that they can connect with God. But our Bible has it much different. The difference is that God is pursuing us. We aren't pursuing Him. That's the reason we must be witnesses to people because they're not looking for God unless somebody has already planted a seed and it's come up and they realize they need him. He's the good shepherd searching for the lost sheep. He's the loving father waiting for the, the prodigal son to come home. And you remember that prodigal son when he came home, he wasn't rebuked. He wasn't rebuked. Um, he... Uh, came home and his father was waiting for him. My, can, just think about that. Father was waiting for him. He hugged him. He put, a, put the best robe on him, put a, friend, a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. But he didn't stop there. He had the fatted calf killed and had a great feast in his honor when he came home. My, can you imagine the joy that that young man had? And we don't read one word about that joy. We don't read a word about it. But it was there. I've known of a few men who had sons to run away. The fact is, I had a good friend that ran away from home. And... They, they looked for their son. And finally they found him. They brought him home. He ran away from home again. This time they didn't look for him. They waited and let him come home. 
And they were ready. They had open arms for him when he got there. But they waited until he came. And he had a, he had a joy about him that he had not had. I won't ever th never forget that old boy's name. Danny Bruce Smith is what we called him. Danny Bruce. And when we come to Jesus and receive him as our Savior, he plants a joy within our hearts. Um, I don't know about you, but I remember the night I got saved. And uh, I was just running over with joy. I just worked second shift, came home, wife and my two daughters were in the bed asleep. And I was reading my wife's Bible. I didn't have one. And they'd been talking on the Bible at, at work. And so I w I'd go home and read. And I figured out how to be saved. The Lord showed me how to be saved. And I bowed on my knees there in our living room and received the Lord. And I was thrilled. I was thrilled. But I wasn't going to tell anybody. I didn't tell Cherry. I didn't tell uh, the people at work. But I didn't get through that shift until somebody came up to me and they said, what's happened to you? There's something different about you. I was 21 years old. And I said, <laughs> I wasn't going to tell anybody, but you've asked. I've got to tell you, I got saved last night, this morning. And uh, I had a joy that uh, I can't explain. Um, I don't guess you could explain yours either. I didn't shout. I didn't run around in the, in the uh, living room. I didn't cry. I just received the Lord and received the joy. So when we come to Christ and receive him as our Savior, he plants a joy within our hearts. Why? Why should we be joyful? Why should the prodigal be joyful? Because of the mess his life was in, and that's what my, my life was. It was a mess. But the Bible tells us we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. But when I came to him, no rebuke, just cleanse me right there. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Another part of that song. In Luke 2 and verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Did you notice that for unto you is born a Savior? Not just to the, not just the shepherds, not just to the wise men who came probably three years later, but to you, that's us. That's all of us. The Savior reigns in us by the power of the Spirit of God. He's going to reign on earth a thousand years in the future. But he's reigning in our hearts now when we receive him as Savior. 
because the Bible tells us that we've been bought with a price. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So when he's Lord, he speaks, we obey. Lord speaks and obey, we obey. Salvation transforms our heart, mind, and soul. Salvation frees us from fear. It frees us from guilt. Because all the things that we've done in our past have been done away with. Salvation is free, has freed us from hell, and has freed us up for heaven. So these things come about only when Jesus Christ reigns in our hearts and he leads us. So when he reigns in our hearts, these things happen. But here's something else. <clears throat> we have joy. Then another verse of that song, it says, joy to the world because our troubles are limited. The, the fourth verse, I believe it is, says, no more let sin and sorrow grow. Do you know how you keep sin from growing? It's by confessing it. And if we don't let, if we don't confess it, then I want you to hear what James wrote in James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away <coughs> of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Somebody said that's the strongest LSD there is. Lust, sin, and death. Whatever your sin is, it doesn't matter. If you let it grow, then sorrow is on its way. Sorrow is on its way if you let it grow. The fact is, it will, if it's a sin of infatuation of the opposite sex, it will grow, keep on growing until it affects the spouse, your children, your extended family, your church, your friends, your community, It'll be sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. That's all you can expect. If it's drinking or drugs, one won't hurt, just one pill won't hurt, is what people say. But did you know that it takes that first drink, it takes that first pill to wind up in the gutter? eventually. Because sin doesn't say that small. It grows and grows and grows. It grows from lust to sin and then death. It's sad. I see it so often. So often. Van has had uh, two funerals of young men, very young men, 
who died after something like this right here. You don't expect young men to die like that, but they do. They do. But Christ reigns when he reigns. Those things don't happen, which means that we have true joy. Joy to the world includes us, but it shouldn't stop with us. We need to present that gospel to everybody else where they can receive him, the Lord Jesus as Savior. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Do you know him? If you don't, this will be the best day you'll ever have to come to know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. He's ready. And if he was standing here this morning, he'd have outstretched arms. There'd be no accusations. There'd just be a joy of his to welcome you to him. If you have sin in your life, today's the day to get rid of it. Where you can have joy. The joy, if you've been saved, the joy that God intended for you to have, he wants you to have it.